Welcome to America's most livable city. Please ignore the invisibles with me. See Pittsburgh, we built its economy, but we still lead the nation in black poverty. Welcome to America's most livable city. Just ignore the invisibles with me. And state your business, because here, the place you live in depends on your race and privilege. Hello and good afternoon, everybody. I am Dr. Cheryl Hall Russell, and welcome to What Black Pittsburgh Needs to Know. It's our first show of the year. We're excited about it, and um, we are we are bringing on a couple of amazing guests. But first, let me bring in my my co-host in. Uh, we are going to be with Jasiri X, who is the hello Jasiri, who who leads One Hood Media, of course, and Dr. Jamil Bay with the Urban Kind Institute. Happy New Year, everybody. <laughs> How's it starting off for everyone? Happy New Year. Is it's, it? It's cold. <laughs> yeah, it's cold. I, you know, they've been teasing me. I flew in from, from um, Hawaii two days ago. 81 degrees, sunny, man. I've basically been on my bed in the corner for the last, you know, 48 hours. trying to just. <laughs> Yeah. How's the New Year kicking off for you? Siri, we're in the swing of things. There you go. Yeah, we're in the swing of things. I mean, we're we're you know trying to start the year off on the right foot. We have a lot of great stuff that we're providing. Of course, you know, um, a Marion or Omicron, however we call it, kind of set us back. We're planning to do a lot of in-person stuff. I wanted to see, you know, um, the historic inauguration of, of, of Mayor Ganey, who's going to join us shortly in person. I was able to watch virtual. Um, but yeah, so everything got kicked back virtual, kind of pushed our timeline back. But, you know, we want to be safe and we want, you know, the folks that work with One Hood to be safe as well. So, yeah. So, of course, we are going to have uh, as our as our first guest in the new year, which is great. Uh, will be our mayor. And we also are going to have Dr. Sylvia Awusu. I know I'm going to mess her last name, but Anse on who's going to talk about um, COVID and our kids. She does, uh, she's a pediatrician and she also does a lot of emergency uh, care with kids. And so start to write your questions down that you may have about that. But we're going to get kicked off right away. I know Mergani has some other things that he needs to do today. So we want to bring him in right away if he is out there. Mayor Ganey, you with us? No, I'm my name. Hello. You're, you're on, brother. Hello. What's hey, here. what's going on? How y'all doing today? <laughs> we are fantastic. Sorry about it's, that. I, I couldn't hear nobody up first. That's all right. It's just we are really delighted to have you on as our first guest in the new year. I appreciate it. Man, could we have predicted this a year and a half ago? <laughs> Maybe uh, I'll no, do it. Thanks to, thanks, thanks to you. You know, thanks to everybody out there. You know, one hour, one hour power. Um, I just want to know how much I appreciate what y'all do for the community. Um, um, I, I can't thank y'all enough for everything. Uh, without y'all, there is no me. So I understand all the work that these organizations that individual people put in. And I just want to say thank you. You are thank more you. than uh, welcome. Yeah. How's your first week going? <laughs> um, you know, it, it's been an adjustment. You know, I mean, after the inauguration, we had to deal with making sure that we could get our people across the finish lines in terms of um, confirmation. And we ran into the snow. So we ran into a lot of different things this week, uh, just dealing with a lot of things that we want to deal with, getting our people together, continuing to, to structure the office the way it needs to be structured. We just want to make sure that we hit the ground running and, uh, and send the message that we are about the business of the city. 
you were out there in the snow, bro. You hanging out <laughs> on your trucks and, you know, you've been out visiting the sanitation workers. You know, this is a new flavor for Pittsburgh. What, what are you learning? What are you seeing? Or, you know, I appreciate this approach, but what's your yeah. sense of it? So, you know, one is that I wanted to go out because I wanted to have a better understanding. You know, usually at snowstorms, we understood what happened last year. Uh, but I wanted to understand the equipment. I wanted to understand the personnel. And I'm going to be honest, I take my hat off to the, to the employees of Pittsburgh Public Works. They're, they're understaffed, severely understaffed. The equipment is not up to par. One was still riding a 2009 um, truck to get the snow up. I seen one get out of the snow and help somebody um, shovel someone out of the snow. I was with them. Um, so that was up in Brookline. You know, there, there were so many things that they could have been like the heck with it, but they stayed in there and fought. And that morning before the snow, we went there. I told my team, we're going to go there and we're going to boost that morale right away. We're going to let them know that we're not here to bash them. We're here to work with them. And that's what we did. So that's why I had all my all my senior staff get in trucks and go around that night and come back with a report in regards to how many trucks they've seen in the street, how many large trucks they've seen that can take care of the big, big, um, the, um, the massive avenue. What were some of the things that we learned? So if, uh, if if someone from public works was stuck like an EMS or something like that, how long did it take for that person to have to leave their route to go help that person get out of that situation and get back to the route and still be able um, to get things done? So it was a learning process. So now what we're doing right now is we're talking about, you know, if it snows this weekend, are we ready? How can we contract with other contractors since we know that we don't have the, the personnel that we got today? How the blue ice we got in right now to help put on the street so that we can continue to move forward. So it's going to be a process because they have not been invested in. So it's not like we're going to be able to solve this overnight, but I can guarantee you in time it will change. Yeah, the, the snow and ice are all one of those things that always haunt mayors across the Midwest and, and across the East. And so we wish you much, much success in that. Before you came on, we were having this conversation about, you know, all this momentum that you bought in that, you know, we could just we could feel it and it felt great. Um, but we also talked about, you know, the risk of how it all kind of drops off after a while. And, you know, how are you going to keep these folks who fought so hard to get you there engaged in your, in your leadership? Have you thought about that? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I have. Um, but I don't think it's me. I think it's, to be honest, I think it's we, I think it's how we continue to come together and work together. You know, like one of the things that I've always learned from outside of this city is that my office is on Grand Street, but my work is in these neighborhoods. So it's not about mm -hmm. how I stick behind of a desk. That's what I have a staff for. I have to be out in these neighborhoods learning what the community needs, learning exactly what I need to do to be able to bring back to and to tell my staff what is needed. Uh, that's why I hired a staff so I could be out um, in these neighborhoods doing work. I think that's important. Secondly, I think that from, from a transitional position, I think I, we got great people on the transition team that will come back with reports that not only we have to work on, that we can partner with them to work on to keep that momentum going. Now, at the end of the day, the newness wears off and the reality sets in. We understand that. The reality is how do we keep the work in front of us, you know, so that the momentum follows the work and not the person. Like a lot of the people say, you know, you didn't want to go on CNN, you didn't want to do all these big news or um, big news stations. And the reason why I didn't is because it wasn't about me. It was about this city. It wasn't that I was trying to promote myself. I understand being a mayor is being a cheerleader. But first, let me get my house in order before I can do that. So to me, it was all about do the ones I have to do, but the ones I don't want to do, don't run to it. Get your work together so that they follow you work, your work and not the person. And in doing so, we enhance the city because they see more than one leader. They see all of us. Right. Dr. Gray, I know you had some questions about youth. 
And, and oh, Dr. Uh, Bay. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think you started to beat on it. You know, these young folks who are so inspired by you, you know, they 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 see a, a change. You know, this ain't the Pittsburgh they wanted to grow up in. And, you know, you've been talking about a lot of this when you were campaigning. And so now, like, like, what's the, the 2030 Pittsburgh? What's the 2050 Pittsburgh? You know, how do you, like, you've talked about this. This is not a, a two-year, three-year game to fit Pittsburgh. No, no. What's the absolutely. vision that you're selling? What's the vision that you want these young yeah. people to own and buy into? And how do we support that? So I think it's three phases. One is, you know, people have heard me say that it takes 20 years for something to really change. My job is to plant a seed of change, and then every other administration will have to water because the appropriations of how we're doing things are different. That's number one. So how do we reappropriate some of this funding that's there right now so that's sustainable in the future? That's number one. Number two is to ensure that we do have some young people in the office so that I can understand through their eyes how they see the vision of the mall. And on number two, let me say this. Also, here's the greatest opportunity that I think we have, but it also comes with a great challenge. How do we want our youth to want more? And that's why I say my, my relationship with the Pittsburgh Public Schools is important, being able to partner with them so they see a partnership between the city and the mayor's office and how I get to go to these schools and physically demonstrate and show them who I am, but also talk about why learning is important. You know, um, Dr. Bay, you, the one thing I learned, I share this with my daughter, is that I don't want you to see school as an education because a lot of times I think we get confused between education and learning. Like, I have an education in algebra, but I ain't learned nothing in algebra because if you ask me in algebra, I ain't answering nothing. I can't answer nothing. But I think learning is different, and I think what you see in, in, the, in, the, uh, in this atmosphere is that you see more institutions moving towards the word learning and that education, whether that's Silver Lake Learning and all the other learning institutes that you see being developed today. To me, it's more important that our children learn how to learn because if they learn how to learn, then whatever passion they have, they can get there. And my job is to let them know that, you know, even though you might not want to take some classes because you're not interested, I need you to see it not from an education standpoint, but from a learning standpoint. If you can learn difficult things, you will learn how to love the passion that you want to become, and you will ultimately get there. That's number two. Number three is also demonstrating the importance of higher learning. Like I always say, the breach in this city is that you got your growth sector industries over here. you got your universities over here. You got your trades over here, and you got your school PPS over here, your school district. And they don't talk to one another. So whatever the economy is going to be in the next 20 to 30 years, like you talk, and talk about, Dr. Bay, and I've heard you talk about this with artificial intelligence, the robotics community. A lot of that curriculum is not in our PPS. A lot of that curriculum is in our growth sectors, the universities, but not in our trades because the trades are traditional, and we don't talk about the new trades of the day. So they're definitely not connected to the curriculum of Pittsburgh Public Schools. And a lot of times we got to understand that it's not only the school's responsibility, but as a community, it's our responsibility to teach about environmental justice and why that's important, to teach why artificial robot, artificial intelligence is going to be the wave of the future. We can't only re always rely on them. We have to become, as you've always said, the knowledge bank in our neighborhood to be able to reflect how we're growing these kids up. That's up to us. That's our responsibility. So I think it's threefold. One, having someone in here so that we can understand how they see the future. Two is a great partnership with the Pittsburgh Public Schools so we can demonstrate who we are. But the third one is to get them to see a bigger picture. Because when you're growing up in poverty, every area, every community looks like me or that's Latinos in poverty, right? So you see what you see every single day. That don't change. You know, if you walk down Climax Street, Climax Street right now, you know what you're going to see. 
You don't have to think about it. You already know. Mm-hmm. Is, is, is that the image you want your child to see? Or do you want your child to be able to understand that life is larger than Climax Street? But if right. we don't expose them to nothing greater, then how do you expect them to get there? We got to move away from neighborhood land. I'll be honest, Dr. Bay. I use, you know, I was telling people, in any other city in this area, you've been in more cities than anybody on here. In any other city, you can go from 25th to 75th Street. That's one neighborhood. That's 20 to 25 square miles. In Pittsburgh, we got five, 5.2 square mile neighborhood, and we talk about we from Bell Super, Iron Town, Knox. You understand what I'm saying? Like, you can't, right. right. You right. The, the, the same assets you have in Bell Super, you can't have, you can't duplicate those assets in Allentown because it's only 5.2 square miles. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? So you, we have to move these invisible lines that keep us separated and learn how to unify amongst each other. But as long as we keep saying the Hilltop community, for instance, I'm Allentown, I'm Bell Silver, I want you to have that neighborhood love and pride because I have it from where I'm from. Understanding that we got to expand the lines if we're really going to understand how to grow our community. Right. Yeah, yeah it can be confining for sure. Uh, so you know, you from Indianapolis. You don't have no 5.2 square mile neighborhoods in Indianapolis. That was the one thing that was attractive when I first got here, but I also realized it also could be very confining. And so, you know, how do you love it, but also understand that, you know, you got to spread it out a little bit and you could support each other. And that that's a tough one. I mean, I think we're really excited to hear you talk about being more involved with with PPS. Another thing from coming out of town, I don't know how this was for Jasiri, but I was kind of shocked at the separation between the schools and the mayor's office. And it it was just getting worse. And so, I mean, I think it's a great signal that you're you're putting out now that that you're a real part of um, the, you know, what happens in our school systems. Our mayor has to care about yeah. that. Yeah, I mean, and, and also arts and culture plays a big part in that, right? Like, you know, we always highlight the fact that PPS no longer has the type of alternative when it comes to arts and culture that they may have had 25 years ago. But isn't that an opportunity for organizations that really focus on how to grow your art, your art, develop your arts career, isn't that where they play a major role more than the public? I'm not, you know, unfortunately, no, not unfortunately, fortunately, more than the public schools because that's what their focus is. Yep. And that puts them in the network and being able to talk and being able, because every arts teacher may be an arts teacher, but we don't know if they place there or that's where their passion is. But I guarantee you, if you get some organizations that's in the arts and culture, that's where their passion is at. Absolutely. And it, and it was, I, I thought it was really powerful just as an artist to also see art incorporated in your, um, your inauguration, you know, to see Vanessa German and 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 some of the folks that you had there, I thought it was a very powerful uh, mix. Um, I, I did have a question, uh, Mayor Ganey, and um, at first of all, you know, you kind of broke down why we started One Hood just right there. We trying to, you know, these invisible lives. We One Hood, like we all I'm suffering the same stuff. Like we got to come together. But um, you know, in many ways, you know, one of the interesting things about the the mayoral race was the fact that like black issues were at the forefront. It was kind of weird. It was the first time to me that I saw an election where issues that were directly relevant to me as a black person were in the forefront, right? Where, you know, whether it was police reform, whether it was Pittsburgh not being livable for black women, whether it was talking about, you know, 7,000 people leaving the city. It was like our issues was kind of at the centerpiece. Now we have, you know, you stepping into this historic role how do we make sure that those issues remain at the forefront 
Because, you know, in the past, a lot of people would pay lip service to these issues, but we really didn't see movement around any of these things policy-wise. So I'm going to use we because you came in with the we. So how can we make sure yeah. that these issues are, are are continue to be at the forefront and, and can make this city a place that's livable for everybody and not just the select right. few? So, you know, I don't think it just happened during this campaign, to be quite honest. I really don't. Like I told you before, it takes 20, 20 years for something to develop. Uh, Siri, Dr. Bay, listen, we're not new to this. We've been doing this for 20 years. I mean, we planted the seed a long time ago. True, true. You know, everybody looks to say, wow, look what happened right now. Come on, y'all. I'm talking about 20 years ago, being out in the street, not knowing nothing, fighting for social economic justice. I mean, this didn't just appear. This has been growing over 20 years. And then last year during the peaceful protest, you seen the growth of it because you seen young people, black, white, young, old, straight, LGBTQIA, you've seen all of them marching in the name of social and economic environmental justice. This isn't new. This is just what's developed over time. One of the things that I'm asking my team as we begin to build this out is that I need to still meet with the activist community. I need to be connected. They need to be connected because in other cities, you see that energy. The one thing I've always said is that in other cities, from the neighborhood to downtown is connected. There is no disconnect. They're all connected. I mean, you know, there's TV shows that demonstrate that, that everything has been connected. You can look at the wire just going back in the day and understanding exactly how that is. I mean, I'm being honest about it. So, you know, look at it from that perspective. I still need to meet with the activist community. We still got issues that's going to come up that is going to have a, a, an impact on our city, and we know it. You know, police community relations alone, we know going forward what we were left with and what we have to deal with. But I can't deal with it alone. I can't. I got to deal with it with you. Because if not, then we don't have a city of growth. We have a city of explosion. And what we need is a city of growth. Because at the end of the day, the more we build, the more we get there. How do I know 20 years later I'm able to have this conversation with you? Is, is that a signal that we're growing or that? <laughs> we're growing. We, we, still, we, still, hey, listen, we still got a long way to go now. I mean, we still got a long way to go, but it's just not going to happen. This didn't happen overnight. And I think that's what we have to remind ourselves is that it's not politics that, it's not politics that made this happen. It's not. Mm -hmm. It's community. Yeah. It's community. Y'all been putting in work for so long. For so long. Y'all made this happen. You know what I mean? I could say I'm the beneficiary, but I'm a beneficiary of the work y'all put in. I, That's why I, I got both of y'all on my transition team. <laughs> because to be honest, Dr. Bay, as we talk about environmental justice, you and I have talked about it. We both come from low-income community. And even though we may know about it, our communities don't know nothing about environmental justice on that level. Right. Yeah. Have we ever talked about how we engage them? Yeah, right. we haven't engaged them. You know, so we coming from an education approach, thinking what they should know, instead of understanding that mommy environmentally is trying to deal with the mentality, raising two or three kids, working two or three jobs, and dealing with the issues she needs to deal with. So she has no idea what the environment is over here, because mentally she's trying to get environmentally together. Right. So you know, she, she knows when she's taking right. she, she knows it in the sense she, the lived experience is her child's asthma is flaring up. You know, her mom's dying young from cancer and, you know, these other outcomes of that stuff. 
So let's talk about, you know, you mentioned the transition team. You charged us coming up, you know, as we're over these next couple of weeks, you charged us to let's do some tangible things that we can do now as we're building to that right. 30 year event. Why is that so important right now? What are the things that you want to do now? Which, which, what do you see as the opportunity here to strike? So I think there's a couple, but that's why Dr. Bay, I don't have a big transitional team. You know, mm -hmm. I don't have 200 people on my, I mean, my transitional team is not 200, 150 people. I didn't want that. I said no to that. I didn't want that because I think that that's a pipe dream and not a dream. You know, what I want to do, I don't need, I don't want a real big grandiosious plan that we can't get something done. You know, that's not, I understand we're not going to get everything done. I, I've been in, I've been in this business long enough to understand it. But what I expect from my transition team is to say, here's low hanging fruit. You know, here's low hanging fruit. Because just like it took 20 years for us to build this, I can't, you can't bring me a big plan and be like, look, do this in four years. I mean, it's not going to work. What I need from, what I need from you is one or two things that we can get done. That I can look back and say, look, I might not have got everything done, but out of this transition and report, transition report, here's two or three things we got accomplished. I'm not trying to make a promise to Pittsburgh that we're going to get everything done like other mayors have done. I'm not trying to do that because that's not real. What's real is that if you're fortunate to get two or three things done in the transition report, you've done a great job. You've done an excellent job. And if you look around the country, that's the reality. And so I'm not, I'm not trying to give everybody this, bring me 20. No, you can't get it done. What I, but, and the second thing I want to come out of this is leader. Not a leader, a leader. Because a lot of this is interse intersects, right? So I want to see leaders come together talking about, you know what? Based on this transition team, I want to work for so-and-so because we have something in common that I think we can get done that will benefit my organization and theirs. So now we're moving out of the silo, just one organization, into a collaborative where we're saying we're in this together. You know, that's the one mentality that Pittsburgh has always had is we've been siloed from neighborhoods, the organizations, the business, to everything. If we're going to grow and really be able to get some things done, it's not because we're siloed, it's because we're working collectively to get something accomplished. So we're recovering from a global pandemic. We got ongoing environmental degradation. We got 400, 500 years of global white supremacy and capitalist expansion. And now we got a black mayor and I need you to fix it in the next two years. <laughs> Can't you give him four? All right, four years. I need you to fix this, bro. We're gonna give you four, Mayor Gady. Look, I can't do it without y'all. I'm gonna tell you that right now. I can't. Uh, look, I'm not one of those mayors. I, I was telling people, I'm not one of those mayors that's coming in here talking about. I, 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 I'm gonna get this. I, I no, no, no. That I, I, is a lie. You know what I'm saying? We the only way we do this together. You know, economies are collective. Whether we. You know, even 1% control 99% is still collective of 1%. Economies is collective. And you can't change anything if you're not doing it collectively. I think that's what really got a lot of people excited about, about your run, about, you know, what you were saying. We want to hats off to you. I mean, I was in Hawaii. We had your speech, you know, <laughs> on loud, beautifully done. I think it was very unifying. Thank you. And, uh, but again, that base on the us instead of the I, I think is, you know, a lot of people have been very, very impressed with. And from what you're saying, you know, you're really committed to to sticking with that. Uh, Absolutely. Absolutely. Yo, that's why I said in the beginning and I said again, Cheryl, like politics didn't make this happen. It's my advocate. 
It's organizations that's been fighting for decades for, you know, civil rights. I mean, there, there's so many people that have made this day happen. And so I understand that. If I didn't, you should never deal with me again. The only way you should deal with me, if you understand that I know what it took for me to be able to stand here today in a city called Pittsburgh. Yeah. I get it. Yeah. I'm from here. I know it quite well. I was having a conversation with my staff today and it was about, you know, you and, you know, what's, what's going to be different? How do we trust that this is a real deal? And I see, you know, from what you see from uh, Mayor Ganey, uh, I, I called you Ed, my fault, bro. What we hey, see from Mayor Ganey. You get, no, listen, let's stop. Let's stop. You <laughs> I mean, come on now. I mean, y'all. What we what we see from the brother, you know, is you know his willingness to have the real talk, and I think one of the things that we're going to appreciate, you know, this is after your honeymoon period, when it gets real, you know, like you you keep telling us this is not going to happen overnight. This is not this. You're not going to fix that 400 years of global white supremacy in three years. But what I what we can appreciate is bringing those tough conversations and letting folks know, hey, this this is what the people wanted. These are the resources available. We can't do X, Y, Z. Here's the compromise. Here's what we're going to do. And rather than, oh, no, we're going to do everything. And I think, you know, just yeah, keeping those real conversations. Right. And I think, you know, that's that's what people appreciate so far from what we're hearing. So Yeah, well, I mean, we're going to do I mean, y'all know me. I've done that my whole life. And I ain't talking about, I didn't say my whole career. I said my whole life. Like, you know, I told my team before, you can't work for me if you ain't never fell down. I don't need perfection. I need to perfect it because I need to learn from you. Mm -hmm. I mean, a lot of times we're always looking for what's perfection, but I've never known perfection to build anything. What I need is wisdom and wisdom comes from life experiences and be able to say, I've been there, done that. And here's how you get through it, man. I can't do that. I, I can't do that by myself. I'm willing to lead. I'm willing to go get it every day. You know that, but I'm not willing to sit here and say it's because of me. It happened because it's not <laughs> like, that's just the reality of the conversation. That's just the reality. And I ain't got no problem with that. Uh, we want to respect your time as well. I, I know we pushed you up to the top of the hour because you had some other things coming up. You know, uh, Dr. Jays, either of you have any additional questions or is there something else? You know, Mary I like that. Hey, sir, I like that. The Dr. J. <laughs> I like that. Um, no, just because I, because I, I know I, I believe you have a hard stop in a couple of minutes. So just to say, you know, um, you know, thank you again for making time for us oh, um, and and um, just appreciate your approach. Um, the fact that, you know, you you have an open door policy or really you you know, we just want to catch you. We just head out to the street. You know, you be you right. haven't stopped <laughs> being all over Pittsburgh and all over the community, uh, 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 which, right. is a, which is a powerful example. And so um I just want to say, you know, um, I'm committed um, to doing, you know, um, Angela Jackson put, what can we do as a community to help the mayor's vision come to fruition? You know, that's my attitude. I think that's the attitude of all of us. Um, so just understand that you have folks that are are here to also help bring that vision um, in, in, into fruition as well. Absolutely. And I think he already answered Yeah, I appreciate it. It's it's. I weak. appreciate that. This is yeah, us. Yeah, this is us. No, hey, listen. I just want to say thank y'all again. You know, we will be setting up some time to bring you guys in and talk about the vision, talk about how we can work together, but also to hear from you, from what you're hearing out there that's going to help us better build a city. So that's what it's about. All right. So again, thank I just you. want to say thank you. All right. Thank you as well. Appreciate hey, y'all have a good lot. week. Thank have you, good brother. Week, brother. And you too. I appreciate y'all. All right. All right.
All right, fantastic. Um, we just are very, very excited as our first guest, a uh, man with a lot of vision. And, um, you know, we really are hopeful for, for his, his um, mayorship and what happens to our city in terms of our community. I love, I don't know about you guys, but I love the whole conversation about this being a we kind of mm -hmm. approach to it, because I think that's what happens. We get dis disappointed, you know, he said, and then, you know, we get, we hang all this stuff on, on our leaders. And I, you know, I believe this before he got elected, no one mayor does it all. And you just got to be smart about how you work and who you work with and the respect you show for community if you want that support. So I like how this is sounding. Any other thoughts about what we just heard? Oh, I like that Greg, he said, put it back on us. Yeah. You know, I was talking to somebody today and it's like somebody should do something. Who's going to, uh, that's us. And it's up to us to hold his folks accountable. And I think, you know, uh, the mayor was very blunt. If he doesn't do it, then he shouldn't be there. We need to get him out. And but we got to do our part. What are we doing to support him? Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I think I think too. Um, you know, you always sometimes you wonder when somebody gets that that seat because, like, you know, um, like like Mayor Ganey talked about, he, he he's done. You know, this was a national story. You know, he was the first black mayor in the history of Pittsburgh. And so even just saying like they'll call me and like you know what I'm saying like just just like from what I've seen, he he's still doing the same thing he's been doing. He hasn't changed his approach. And to me, that that's a good sign um, that you don't get that seat and get that attention. And then now you're somebody different or we don't recognize you or now we can't get a hold of you and in touch with you. And so to me, that's a positive sign. Um, and I think that, you know, the last thing I'll say is that that 20 years he talked about uh, because he's right. You know, this this although we saw kind of, you know, a you know, the, the effects of what happened last year kind of turn into this like political upheaval. It's been brewing, you know what I'm saying? With this work, you know, that, that folks have been doing for a very, very long time. time, time. What happened there? We lost Jasiri Salmon for a minute. Uh-oh, still gone. All right. So why he continues to work on that? Are you back? The universe cut his mic. Yeah, we usually do our our uh, top, you know, top of the hour, first fifteen uh, conversation about what's been going on in um, in our city between our two week breaks. Anything particular you want to bring into that? Um, oh, we've lost him completely. Uh, any topic you wanted to bring up on that, Doctor Bay? Well, I think Doctor, our guest is going to talk about you know the the what's happening with this Omicron and where we are in the pandemic right now. There's, I mean, so Pittsburgh is a few, a week or so behind some of the other Northeastern cities, but there are more people in the hospital now from COVID than at any other point during the pandemic. And most of those folks are unvaccinated folks. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the Omicron, you know, they're saying, well, it was not as severe well, it still it still can be severe. It's much more high, highly transmissible. But for folks who are unvaccinated, you know, it's so transmissible. Just the raw numbers are pushing these systems to the point. You know, we're seeing, and people say, well, on the one hand, if I'm not going to die, I'm not worried about it, and so I'll take my chances. But what is happening with the hospitals being overwhelmed? 
is that other stuff that hospitals do, they're not able to do. Right. There are not beds for people who are in car accidents and people who are having heart attacks and these other things. And that's a part of the problem when we think about it from a public health perspective. It's not about you and the risk that you're willing to take. You're putting everybody at risk. And we keep talking about this, and I don't know whose mind is changing about vaccines, but the numbers right now, and I guess Dr. Woosh is going to talk about this, are scary again. Yeah. Yeah, we definitely are going to talk about that. Um, you know, Jasiri, uh, we were talking a little bit about um, what looks like a murder. Uh, the, the details are still sketchy on the Peter Spencer um, death. And is that Venango County? Venango County. Venango County. County, yeah. For those of you who aren't familiar with this, a uh, young black man goes out with his white friends hunting, and his wife comes back to pick him up, and he's got nine bullets in him, several in his chest, I think one in the neck, one in his backside. And it's it's being said, you know, that it's, they have to shoot him out. They were defending themselves. But there's really been no story about what really happened that while wow, that man got shot the number of times that he did. And kind of like the Ahmaud Arbery case, you know, nobody, nobody's arrested. Folks are kind of walking around like we're trying right. to figure it out. Um, well, well, somebody was arrested, but then they were let go. Not right. Right. Really and quick. so, right. So I think that, you know, you have a man that was shot and killed. I mean, obviously, like he was shot and killed on the lawn this happened december 12th for almost a month past it and you have people i mean by all account i mean you have people with guns that have guns yeah that are there so you you would think you know by this point we should be able to find out which bullet from those guns went into uh, uh peter spencer and, and 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 why and what this investigation produces but you know the venango county da and i think the pennsylvania um, state troopers are involved. They're saying, be patient. And it's like, what well, his family is like really begging for answers. They want answers, obviously, in the death of their loved one. And so I know they had a GoFundMe that uh, we had shared previously. Um, I know uh, Tim Stevens has been a spokesperson from BPEP uh, for the family. So just appreciate him using this platform to advocate for the family as well. And so um, they did do a second autopsy. So we're really at this point, I know the family is getting legal representation and waiting to see, but it it seems like when one of us get killed, it like that urge, that sense of urgency isn't the same. You know, if this was, you know, if it was reversed and it was some some you know white kid that came up into the hood and got killed, we already know. Eric, you know, they they're arrested. Whoever got for arrested life. will not be released. We know that right. much. Right. And whoever's and they, seen it, and everybody's getting arrested. Right. Because you know, the, the police will use a term called person of interest. They'll just they can lock you up as a person of interest, not even a suspect. But here you have a a, a person with gunshot wounds, and then you have people with guns. And the fact that like that they've been let go, and we don't, you know, know like has 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 gunpowder residue tested, like what has been done. And the fact that his family just can't get basic answers is troubling, to say the least, particularly knowing, you know, when you get outside of Pittsburgh and Harrisburg and Philadelphia, you get into some of these places that are that that have a history of, 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 of racism. You know, I mean, that's just the reality. And so, you know, definitely just asking people to, you know, keep that family in their prayers and we'll update you as we get information about what happened to this brother, but we need answers at this point. A month later, 
I mean, how much yeah. patience are we supposed to have? Yeah. Just a little context. So Venango County is just so up 79, right on the other side of 80. So it's, it's not that far from here. And the, the brother lived over in the east side, you know, and it went into the Highlandburg Larmer intersection area, somewhere. I don't know where the borders are over there. But he's from over in that part of the city. Okay. Yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't sure about this county, but I am sure about we're not going to let this go without, uh, you know, continuing to, to, to push. All right. Anything else you guys want to want to talk about before we move to our guests, our next guest? Anything else happen over the break? No, I think we're going to take up some time talking about what's happening with uh, the pandemic. All right. And, where, so and, and how our children are, are doing. For sure. Let's bring in Dr. Sylvia Owusu-Anse. And we are going to, there you are. How are you doing? Thank you for your patience. I know we we uh, kind of changed the order of our show today, but we appreciate you hanging on because uh, what you have to say is so important to to uh, to our audience. So first, introduce yourself and, and let folks know what you're you're doing over at Children's Hospital. Yeah. So first of all, I want to thank you all for the opportunity to be here. You know, I never I never take these opportunities to, for granted. Truly honored to be on the same session as Mayor Ganey. Uh, you know, I saw him in line during Thanksgiving and I'm like, the mayor's in line getting Thanksgiving. <laughs> but, you know, to your point, that's that's the, I, I said, you're the man about town, man. That's my mayor, you know, so really excited about that. Thank you, Dr. Bay, for pulling me in. Jaziri, it's an honor. Uh, Dr. Cheryl, it's an honor. Um, so just quickly about me. Long story short, I am the daughter of um, Ghanaian West African immigrants. You can see the some of the influence behind me. I was fortunate enough to live in Southern Africa at the time when Nelson Mandela became head, the first black head of state. So witnessed apartheid firsthand, lived in apartheid firsthand as a teenager and uh, was in Cape Town when Nelson Mandela became president. I am a pediatric emergency medicine physician, uh, a pediatrician and an emergency medical services physician. So that's a handful. But all in all, what it means is that I take care of kids in the emergency department at that critical vulnerable moment. I also help EMS personnel um, in the back of ambulance units or just in the pre-hospital environment to better serve and take care of kids. So how can we take care of kids at what I call time zero? So for me, time zero of healthcare is when you're at home. It's not when you get to the hospital. It's kind of like what you guys were talking about, the 20 years in the making. You know, healthcare is like that. And that's why um, I love working with the kids because I feel like I have this fresh slate and, and, a, and a new start to really make an influence, uh, really empower, and, and really cater to creating healthy habits early. Um, so that that's who I am, and uh, that's what I'm what, what I'm about. That's huge. Um, you know, as we look at at healthcare, black healthcare in particular, and the abysmal numbers that we've seen, having somebody that's really focused in on our babies is so critical. Um, you and I had a had a great conversation yesterday, also somewhat startling as we started to talk about how COVID is impacting our, our the youngest. Um, you know, some of these folks, some kids are just now getting the, the vaccine, but the numbers, especially with Omicron, have changed significantly. Can you can you get us a little bit up to date on, on what's going on with our kids in COVID? Yeah, so so there's a lot happening, right? Um, you know, <laughs> this two-year pandemic where we thought we threw it behind us, like, just kidding. Um, I, I, want, I want to emphasize, and I don't think people realize that we can fight this together. There can be an end to this, you know? There really can be a resolve. It is truly about vaccinations 
and what I call the three W's, which I'll credit to Mr. Fred Brown, which is wear your mask, wash your hands and watch your distance. You know, many of us remember back in the time of the pandemic when we didn't have a vaccine available to us, we were kind of able to keep those numbers down just by those basic public health measures. Then you add the sure. vaccine to it um, and it, it, does, it, it does do work immensely. So, you know, focusing on, on the variant Omicron. So, you know, we've heard in the news, well, this variant hasn't affected kids, you know, as much as Delta, things of that nature. But on the flip side, you're like, well, we hear that there's an upsurge in hospitalization. So what exactly is going on? Um, you know, so I, I would say that potentially, you know, so overall, we want to look at things from a perspective standpoint. Um, and we want to we want to look at the facts. The facts are that we have had, it is true, we have had a significant surge in hospitalizations, particularly at the end of December, uh, sorry, end of November, beginning of December, for both adults and children. I would say the surge for children has been the highest that it's been during this entire pandemic. Now, I want people to hear me closely and carefully. Now, compared to adults, children are still doing a lot better in the sense that we're not seeing as many children going into the intensive care units. We're not seeing as many children requiring a vet ventilator for COVID um, or dying. But that doesn't mean Omicron has proved that things can easily change. Just what even us as pediatricians were getting a little bit comfortable. And I was even hedging a bet and saying on some of these, you know, media outlets, well, it's not affecting kids as badly. Here I am slaving away in the ED for like 10 out of 14 days of the new year and nothing but COVID. Um, you know, anecdotally, I'll tell you, I had, a, I had a young gentleman who was breathing so hard. I kept going back to his great grandmother. I'm like, are you sure he doesn't have asthma? Because this kid's breathing like he has asthma. And she was like, this kid has never been in the hospital a day in his life. It was COVID. Wow. Uh, so, so we are seeing it. Um, and, and the facts are that a lot of these children um, that we're seeing themselves are unvaccinated. A lot of these children that we're seeing are at the age in which they could be vaccinated. Um, and a lot of the family members that take care of them are not vaccinated as well. Um, that, that also plays into the little ones that can't get vaccinated, right? So I had one week, you know, again, this is Dr. O's personal experience. Um, but we, you know, you, if you look at the data nationwide, many of my colleagues are saying the same thing. We're also seeing babies getting COVID now. Saw a lot of two week olds getting COVID. A lot of, you know, I had one week where there were a lot of children under the age of four weeks, COVID positive, COVID positive, COVID wow. positive, having trouble breathing, um, you know, a good portion of them had to be admitted for hydration and help, you know, help to keep them hydrated. Cause you can imagine if they're sucking from a bottle or breastfeeding, if you're having trouble breathing, it's hard to kind of coordinate both of those things. Yeah. Um, and, and, and the same, same facts remain that the majority of those folks uh, were unvaccinated. When we look at the Allegheny, Allegheny, excuse me, County health data, um, you know, we see that, you know, as an African-American community, we're actually doing Fairly okay as far as a fully vaccinated population. I say fairly okay compared to when the pandemic began. Mm -hmm. We're getting close to about 50%. We were hanging out in the 20s and 30s. But then when you break down the neighborhoods and we talk about Northview Heights and Homewood, we're back to about 26.7% or 21.6%. And when you look at other neighborhoods um, that may be more affluent or have easy access or resources, those numbers are as high as 80%. 
when you break down um, the age groups, the five to nine group is the group that is less likely to be vaccinated. This is here in Pittsburgh, sorry. So let mm -hmm. me clarify this. What I'm talking about moving forward is specifically Pittsburgh and Alleg Allegheny County data, not national data. Okay. Um, so our youngest, your, our youngest um, group that's able to be vaccinated is the least likely to be vaccinated. Mm -hmm. And again, the trends as far as those who are more likely to be hospitalized are those who are unvaccinated or surrounded by unvaccinated family members. One thing, so I've been going to the schools and I, I, I just, you know, I'm, I'm so glad Mayor Ganey talked about the kids because I'm so about the youth. And I think so. sometimes we underestimate the power of, of youth and what, what, what they can do. And one question I pose to them and I pose to everybody who's listening today, and you can raise your hands wherever you are. How many of you know of someone who has died from COVID-19? You know, that's kind of, you know, I'm not in a classroom to be able to see hands and that's fine. You don't have to raise your hand, but you can think about the question. And then I pose a second question. How many of you can definitively tell me or know of a person who died from receiving the COVID-19 vaccine? Mm. And compare those two in your mind. Let's just not forget that this is the city that created the polio vaccine. And the other question I ask my students is, have you ever seen polio? Have you ever seen the measles? Have you ever seen some of these diseases that you got immunizations as babies when you were too young to remember that now you don't even have to deal with anymore? That unfortunately children in third world countries still have to deal with. Right. Um, so those, those are the facts, you know, those are, those are, you know, that is those, that's what we're dealing with. I will say it, it does become difficult. Let's be real. It does become difficult because you turn on the news and you have Dr. X saying, well, it's Omicron's not that bad. So what does that mean? And then you have another doctor saying, well, if you wear N95s too long, it's a problem. So, you know, so there's variations in what we are hearing from my own group, right? Which yep. makes it even more difficult. Plus, there's a lot of data that's changing constantly that I'm even trying to keep up with as a supposed expert, right? As an expert, let alone my neighbor and even my husband was like, well, if somebody had just explained it to me the way you explained to me then, I wouldn't have gone and done X. So right. there is that reality that, you know, this is a fast moving train. But, you know, I want to emphasize what we do know is that the vaccines work and they help and that the public measures work and they help. All right. Ooh, that's a lot of information. Um, terrifying to hear you talk about these babies, though. Man, my goodness. Because nobody wants this to happen to their kid. But, I mean, they're, people are scared. Dr. Bay. And I think that the emphasis, one of the things that stands out when we, you know, you said that Dr. O, and I think that's easy, easy, easier to remember how to pronounce <laughs> But when you, you said about how we thought this was behind us or we were on our way out. And I remember, I don't know if it was August, September, when you and I were talking about, and I, are you worried about your kids? Are you worried about, you know, you know, your kids going back to school? And you're like, no, I'm looking forward to that, you know, and, and they were, I don't, the vaccine was not available yet, but you weren't as afraid because what was happening to kids at that point, And you as, you know, department head at children's hospital, pediatric, you see who's coming into the emergency room. And at that point, you weren't worried. And now it's like, oh, my goodness. You know, four months later, what is happening? I'm terrified, you know, to send my children out into this space. 
And I think that, like you said, the, the three W's, like what are we not doing? What can we do? And what is it that these, what is it that people need to understand or hear to get them to do something differently? Yeah, I, it's, you know, as healthcare workers, first of all, I want to um, give a shout out to all the healthcare workers out there, to all the EMS personnel out there. Um, they're doing their due diligence every day. Um, and, and Dr. Bay, I'll circle back to this. Um, and I'll get to this in talking about the schools. I think the hard part for us as parents is the balance of, and this is a whole nother episode, mental health versus public health safety, right? Mental health for our kids, meaning kids are wired to play. They're wired to interact. They're wired to engage. Um, yes, we are in a new technological wave of where part of that, a lot of that interaction for them is this, right? The computer, the phone, the video games and things of that nature. But there's something about that personal interaction and connection. And that's what makes school so important. Um, and being in school so important, not only just the education component of it, but developing, developing those relationships. Right. Um, and, you know, especially in the teenage world. And I bring that up because, you know, the discussion around school is not black or white, you know, excuse the pun, um, in the sense that a lot of our kids during this pandemic, when they were at home virtually, they suffered greatly from a mental health standpoint. Mm -hmm. So I want people to understand that too. You know, suicide rates went up, depression rates went up, psych psychiatric hospitalization rates went up. I'm not mm -hmm. talking about adults. I'm talking about teenagers. I'm talking about school-aged elementary kids. I'm talking about people like myself who had patients and like, oh, I can relate to that. And now things are hitting closer to home. You know, used to with somebody else's kid. Now it's like, uh-oh, now I know somebody yeah. and I know a child and that child may be my child. Um, and so, so that has to be a real part of the discussion as well. Um, and, and going back to the schools, I think what, what it would be helpful is to some degree standardization, I'm not talking mm -hmm. mandatory, you know, um, you have to do this and you have to do that. You know, everybody's all about their rights in the U.S. of A. Um, but how I describe it is when you walk out the door each day, it's a risk-benefit ratio, right? Mm -hmm. When you walk out the door and you, and I'm sorry, my, my internet may have slowed down there, um, and you turn the key to your ignition, it's a risk-benefit ratio when you get in that car. Whether you put your seatbelt on, whether you stop at the stop sign, whether you follow uh, the speed limit on the highway, all of those can lead to, you know, something very risky if you're going above the speed limit and not stopping at stop signs and not putting your seatbelt on or something in a more conservative, safer fashion. You know, uh, COVID-19 is the same thing. This virus has killed over 800,000 people and counting. It has not stopped in the United States alone, right? right. And so what I'm trying to get at is if we... Again, to Mayor Ganey's point, if we as a community and we as a school system can, don't want to use the word standardize, agree to use the public health measures, agree that masking is the way to go. There, we know the data that children can mask um, and it is safe for children to mask. They do not suffocate. Um, at the beginning of the pandemic, what, what, what were the institutions that did not shut down? The daycare centers right? 
And you, so you, I had my little four-year-old wearing a mask better than I was, right? <laughs> and, and, and that was standardized across the board. The daycares, if you cannot, you know, wear a mask, you cannot come in here and not allow, you know, parents in and out. Um, and, and that prevented shutdowns. Um, so that's, yeah. You know. and, 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 and Dr. O, I mean, just, you know, the reality is, you know, I, I worked for Pittsburgh Public Schools at a time. I don't remember any legislation happening before they put metal detectors outside of schools. Mm. They did that because it was a safety issue and it was mandatory for every child or every person that goes into that school. You had to walk through a metal detector. So if you're telling me you could do that for that and that was about safety, then you also can say we need to wear a mask and it's about safety. I mean, you know, at some point we got to say, you know, this. You know, I, I, to me, all this freedom talk, to me, this is just white supremacy. This, this, I mean, it's, and this is me talking. You know, <laughs> just, this is white supremacy. This is what it is. You know what I'm saying? Um, no more, no less. And this is you wanting to have things your way. It's not about the safety of all of us. But I did have a question um, because one of the things Dr. Bay said early on in this that always stuck with me that I, that I use all the time is he said, you know, we trust the science. We don't trust the scientists, right? Um, and this is one of the emphasis I think having you on um, as a black woman speaking directly to us means something different um, um, at, the, at this moment. You know, recently the CDC has come under fire because of the, you know, the quarantine time going from, I think, 10 days to five days. Um, you know, people released, the, I, I guess the Delta CEO wrote a letter to the CDC and it changed. So, you know, my whole timeline was just filled with like, memes and jokes you know as black people we gonna make it funny jokes about what the cdc said but i think what happens is now it erodes the trust so like who then do we go to i think this is goes to the point and you know and and thankfully we have the black equity coalition here we know dr bay we know fred as people that have been in our community with our best interest for years uh, but where do we go if we start to say, well, now here the CDC is beginning to look like the economy coming back was put over our own safety. So that's that's what I would ask. Like, where do we go? Who should we be reaching out to to get information that we can trust that's going to keep us safe in this time? So, Dr. Jaziri, that's a phenomenal point. And, and it's as you're asking the question. Sometimes, you know, I'm asking myself, which is not a good place to be, right, as a healthcare provider. But I think you brought up a very valid point that if, we, if we're focusing on this community, you have powerful coalitions like the Black Equity Coalition that, you know, known and trusted African-American epidemiologists, health experts. You got Dr. Bay, you have uh, Tiffany Gary Webb, you have Dr. Tiffany Gary Webb, excuse me, you have Mr. Fred Brown. Um, I would say the Allegheny uh, County Health Department has done a fairly good job in, in keeping the numbers down. We got a little bit shaky in the beginning, and I was I remember being a, kind of part of that and calling Dr. Boy and saying, what's going on with our peoples? Um, <laughs> you know, can't leave them out. She's like, I'm, I'm working on I'm working on it. And sure enough, um, uh, that's come together. Um, I would say a lot of our, you know, you know, health care centers that are focused around our community. So your federally qualified centers, your East Liberty, your uh, community engagement centers, such as Homewood uh, in the Hill District. Uh, you know, I think those those are the uh, folks like myself. It's hard. You know, some people are like, I never met you in my life. I don't, you know, 
I don't know. You're not even from Pittsburgh, but I, I've been <laughs> here for five years and I'm dedicated to it. Um, so, I mean, I am at UPMC Children's Hospital of Pittsburgh. We do have other health care centers here. I would say, you know, if you've been with your pediatrician forever and you trust them um, and, and your regular doctor, those, those would be the resources. You know, I've been known to say the CDC and the WHO, um, you know, I, I wouldn't disregard them. All I would, all this would hone in for me is that this virus is very, very tricky. And so um, if we are divided on this, to your point with the CDC, then we're not going to get anywhere. But I'm more on the point of the vaccination aspect. You know, I think common things being common, true things being true. If we can collectively agree to stick to the public health measures, like from the very beginning, your mask, your washing hands, your keeping your distance and vaccinations, then a lot of this stuff, this, these variations um, won't really happen. Um, you know, I, I will have to say, and this is all I can say right now on the record, is that I think it's interesting that healthcare providers are able to go back within five days. And I'll just put it that way. Um, you know, as opposed to the general public for 10 days and, and things like that. So just Dr. Jaziri, I haven't probably fully answered your question because, you know, we are, it, as a, you know, if we want to be honest, as a healthcare field, we're still figuring it out ourselves. And true, I think, true. I think that's been the hard part about this pandemic, you know, um, and, and if, if, you know, I'm aging myself, but if we go back to the HIV pandemic, it was some of the same thing. Y'all remember oh, magic? Right. Nobody wanted to sit next to him on the bench. Nobody wanted right, to right, ask right. anymore. True. But in reality, True. when when we got down to it and we took the time to figure out what HIV was about and truly how the transmission happened, none of that needed to occur. But the True. information wasn't brought forth. And so you had this, you know, and then let's not even get into how HIV and AIDS, um, you know, ravage our communities um, and, and stuff like that. But um, I, I say that because the reason why I was in Southern Africa was because my dad worked for the World Health Organization and his wow. main job was to educate the people of Southern Africa on HIV and AIDS. Wow. And so I grew up in the midst of that and seeing wow. that disparity in information and how important it is for folks like you. This is what I told Dr. Cheryl. I said, I'm the one-on-one -on -one person, right? You know, you pop in, I'll fix one arm. I may see 30 patients a day, right? But honestly, your platform is what's really going to get people to change their minds because you're dealing with people hundreds and thousands and millions at a time to get the information that they need. And so I'm really grateful uh, for this media platform and for what you all are doing as well. Don't underestimate the power of the art and the media that you are doing as well, because that's really where the rubber hits the road. And hopefully I answered to the best of the ability. I know it wasn't a kind of straight line, but no, you did a you did a great. I think I think fantastic. It's okay, right? I think you did a fantastic. And it's okay to say like just like you said, like right now we're trying to catch this thing on the fly. I think you know like what you know, and that's to me like it's just keep it real. That's what we you know we say just like keep it real. And I think I think you did. And to me, that's all I can ask is for your honest opinion. And I think. For what Dr. Bay was saying, like what you are seeing, because you are on the front lines right. and, you know, shout out to all these healthcare workers that are on the front lines. And it's like, this is what you're seeing. And how can then we as a community collectively work together to where we can collectively reduce those numbers? Because just like, 
you know, Mayor Ganey said the tone. It's this is about we too, right? It's not just about one person. It's about all of us and how can we collectively uh, support one another, support folks that can't work from home. You know, I'm blessed to be able to work from home. These people got to go out every day. How can we support them? How can we help folks? How can we educate folks? And that's what we wanted to use this platform for. So thank you for that. It is definitely human rights issues in this in this matter. It's, it's life and death. Um, you know, you start talking about the number of, of babies and the you know just the quadrupling, if not more, of the number of admissions on on these little kids. Uh, it, it's just heartbreaking. And if we could do and have any discussions that can prevent this, then um, then we're going to have them and and bring on great guests like you to to help break down um, the complexity of some of this. And and so it's just really you know. Terrific information. So thank you so much for that. Any other follow-up questions um, from you guys on this? You know, as, as a parent, y'all, Dr. J, how are you feeling about your kids in school? Just serious. Um, I mean, it's, yeah, you know, my, my, my youngest, um, they were virtual the first week. And kind of like what, what Dr. O was saying, you know, he wanted to go back to school. You know, he wanted... You know, it was difficult for him, even, you know, for my, my, you know, one of the things that happened, like my son was very active. My son was like swimming, soccer, um, karate, and all that had to shut down. And he's just at home, like with snacks and, you know what I'm saying? Like, so like trying to get back to just his own physical health, like yeah. he's back swimming now and trying to get him back into that thing. But he was happy to go to school. Um, but at the same time, we're watching it's almost like um, when the snow days happen, right? We kind of got to look because for Pittsburgh Public School, it was whole schools that were kind of shutting down, uh, whether it was folks getting infected with COVID or not having enough staff. So I, I was on the website last night to make sure, you know, um, you know, my daughter was sent home, had to be tested. You know, we got, we got the test. We had to get the PCR test. That's difficult now, you know, just finding a time a, a yes. schedule to just before christmas be right before christmas it was very available right after that flatline man so very so and, and she was negative so now she you know she went back to school but so it has been almost like you know you got to weave through these wow. hurdles and you know yeah um it, so it, it's been it's been a an interesting year but um i think you know we just gonna all we can do is push through and i yeah. think work with one another listen to folks like yourself, Dr. O, to, to, to guide us with science, you know, through uh, what we're going through right now as well. Yeah. I mean, I think we talked about, too, not only the vaccine, get your flu shot, too. You don't want a delta dose of dealing both with COVID and flu. There are people are now being diagnosed with both, ended up with long COVID and some other stuff that none of this is worth it. I, I grabbed my 19-year-old who's a freshman and uh, I fooled her into a flu shot. I Took her to get her booster, <laughs> but so she let me sign her up. I threw a flu shot in too. She's like, "What?" <laughs> but I mean, we've got to do what we got to do as families to to protect and as communities. Well, thank you so much, um, Doctor. Oh man, this is this has been great. Don't be surprised if we call you back as as Absolutely. This continues. But please yeah. listen. These three W's are are so worth hearing. Wear your mask, wash your hands, and watch your distance. And what was Pouring part of the message, the takeaway here, has to be connected to how we um, let's we think about the why. 
And think about the consequences on our children and, you know, what's happening to the teenagers who are so dependent. But, you know, there was another point that Dr. O brought up, you know, months ago when we were talking, when I heard her talking. And it was about the development stages of, of kids, you know, in daycare, learning, missing the cues where you, if the daycare worker already says their face covered, and you remember how much of our learning is from facial cues. And as a kid, when you get Nana's look, and you know to stop doing what you're doing and True. keep missing out on those developmental stages. And I think so much of this, if for no other reason, can we do this for our kids? Because yeah. it's not getting any better with the path that we're on. Agreed. All right. So any, any announcements uh, on our way out? Yeah, um, you know, we have, um, speaking of this, you know, our Ask a Black Doctor, our first Ask a Black Doctor will be next Thursday, January 20th. Um, tune in for that. We're also um, launching the new show called Ask a Black Lawyer um, that's going to be hosted by our very own uh, Miracle. That'll be um, the 27th of January. Of course, you know, this week in white supremacy, we'll be back tomorrow, um, um, 6 o'clock. And then lastly, um, if you have not checked out BlackPittsburgh.com, we are officially launched. Um, we have two feature stories up right now, uh, one about the coalition uh, to reimagine public safety and one about uh, artist Mikhail Elwuna. Uh, but also, you know, all of our shows are housed there. You know, um, we had a conversation earlier this week uh, or earlier today about The Hill. And it was like, hey, we have two shows for what Black Pittsburgh needs to know where we talked about what was going on on the Hill, one featuring Bumati House and one featuring uh, uh, Marimba. Um, and so it was like, you can actually go to the site and check out past shows, past episodes. And so if you get a chance, uh, blackpittsburgh.com, check us out. All right, well, we are looking forward to a, a packed year of great information for our community, continuing to talk about those things that you wanna hear about and those things that we need to talk about. So we appreciate you joining us today and we will see you in two weeks for our next get together of what Black Pittsburgh needs to know. Until then, we will see you and we're out. Peace. Happy New Year. Peace, y'all.